0: Hi, everyone. I know it's been a really long time since uh, my last Lord Have Mercy episode. Um, And honestly, it hasn't been on purpose. So many things have been happening in this world and uh, to each of us personally. Um, And sadly, the silence has become deafening. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And um, I have heard from some amazing uh, facilitators and leaders in the progressive Christian movement and uh, decided that maybe the best thing to do would be to try to bring us all together. And um, so we created a space on our Bible app for you to uh to find new friends and learn new tools of how to approach this strange and interesting world and recalling that the pop ed series and um these next few episodes of lord have mercy are going to feature facilitators for that pop ed series and i hope that these uh interviews these conversations bring you life they bring you inspiration and hope and a desire to connect with the folks that are going to be um, also signing up for these workshops. So uh, please, 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 please uh, visit ourbibleapp.com pop-ed, uh, that's pop-ed, and, uh, and sign up for one of these wonderful, wonderful courses. Um, and now let's start the show. You are listening to Lord Have Mercy, a podcast about God, sex, and the Bible. I'm your host, Crystal Cheatham, and today we are going to hear from Joe Lumen. Joe is a Colombian-born, raised pastor with a master's degree in ministry and theology. Alongside her partner, she started the Living Room, a house church and nonprofit reimagining faith and Christianity, and inviting people to reclaim their own spaces as holy ground. Jo speaks and teaches about decolonizing church, theology, spirituality, and faith, as well as the importance of dismantling white supremacy, patriarchy, and capitalism, both individually and collectively. I've invited her onto the podcast today to talk a bit about her upcoming course, Decolonizing Christianity, available through our Bible app. And now, Joe. What is your faith background? I'm curious about your journey and how you got to this space where you are so affirming and frustrated with with the conservative Christian experience.
1: Yeah, I grew up in Colombia, the country. And, um, Colombia is uh, most of the people that I know in Colombia and most of the people that I've engaged growing up there are non-practicing Catholics. Um, Mm -hmm. Catholicism is so deeply entrenched in the cultural makeup and societal makeup of our country that there are a lot of things that seem secular, but are Christian, really, you know, have a, have Mm -hmm. a Catholic Christian, uh, roots. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up in, in all of that, but my family wasn't particularly religious, though they would talk about Jesus and they would talk. and We had Bibles at home and um, but we never went to Catholic mass or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And when I was 14 years old, my dad moved to the U.S. and he met a pastor here and he became a, a Protestant. He became a an evangelical Christian and from that point on then you know my sister and I became Protestant Christians too and then my mom did too and then several other family members did too and we started attending Protestant churches um, but I took this very seriously. I, it was serious for me. I was interested in in the wholeness and healing that was offered through you know the faith and so I started studying a lot and learning a lot and decided that I wanted to get a master's in, in, um, ministry and theology after, after I got my bachelor's and after that I started working for churches. I had already worked for churches, but now I started working for churches more intentionally. Mm -hmm. Um, and the more I studied and the deeper I got into the, you know, power structures inside of the evangelical church. The the higher I went up into the hierarchy of power, the more that I saw toxicity and the more that I realized how much of um, not only the theology, but the practice of faith is just really abusive. Um, so I started speaking about that and speaking against that and just being really uncomfortable with some of the ways in which money was being handled, in which people were being talked to and treated, um, in which the most important thing was serve the church. And that is limited to, you know, be a parking lot attendant or serve coffee. And Mm -hmm. then God has created these incredible beings. Divinity is in all of us. And we are wasting really all of our gifts and talents and beauty and magnificence in just letting people into a parking lot every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I kept growing more and more uncomfortable asking a lot of uncomfortable questions which led which led me to just know that I had to leave the church like I wasn't welcomed inside the church anymore um and the more questions I asked and the further I went with them and the more comfortable and safe I felt asking them the more obvious it was that I had to walk further and further away which then led me to start digging into the relationship between why is it that even though I didn't grow up Christian all of these things um, kind of aligned with my upbringing, and so I started learning about Christian hegemony and how mm-hmm. Christian supremacy is real.
0: Yeah,
1: and it's how Christianity has been co. I, this is how I define this: it's Christianity has been co-opted and appropriated by systems of oppression um, since almost the beginning of this faith yeah. to oppress and abuse people in the name of God. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure that if I continued, if I wanted to keep any semblance of this faith um then my faith was going to have to divest from those systems of oppression which is possible and it has happened all through history too you know right yeah, i
0: think that was my next question is how,
1: how? right because <laughs> all, through, all through history while christianity has been all through christian history that is uh christianity co-opted and, and appropriated by systems of oppression there is also these underground um Church community. There is also this underground group of people that are, for whom Christianity is liberation and Christianity is not oppression. And, mm-hmm. and reading about them and reading the the different theologies where it's it's about bringing the kingdom of heaven on earth for all people uh, is the reason that I stayed around really um and that's that's the thing you have to learn about systems of oppression to be able to um divest from them in your life Mm -hmm. which includes your faith expression you know understanding what are the biases that or biases that we have been fed used using god and using the bible what are the biases that we have been fed that we believe this is godly and good and and from divinity when in reality it is just the the marriage of Christianity with systems of oppression. So that's basically the work that I do now. The the invitation of divesting from systems of oppression so that our faith, whatever it is, whether Christianity or non, uh, and that our belief system, because it doesn't have to be, or non-belief in God, is also non-harmful, non-toxic, non-abusive.
0: I mean, that is the dream of what, what you're talking about is the dream of what Christianity should be. but you talk about this idea of the church as, as being, kind of the the wrong direction, and it really sounds like you are in love with the, the humanity that Christianity calls us to embody and to offer to other people. Um, do you have a vision for like what a church can actually be like?
1: Um I, I love that I, I want to invite people really to stop thinking about the church as a place, but but we we have to start thinking about the church as a as an embodiment of people of community that care for one another. Uh-huh. So um so that can look different depending on the context in which you're in, depending on the needs of your immediate community, depending on who you are. Um because the church is not, I mean, church is happening all the time everywhere you know church Mm, is showing up for one another church is being the people of god church is is embodying divinity and showing up so that we can bring the kingdom of heaven everywhere we step foot. So when I am showing up for my literal neighbors and when I'm showing up for my daughter's school and when I'm showing up for the parents in that school, when I'm showing up for my children, I am being the church because the church is community um, bringing the kingdom of heaven on earth. It's it's a community that embodies divinity that is bringing the kingdom of heaven on earth. And for some people, that means it's, a, it's an actual community Community that meets on Sundays, and that is actively, actively divesting from systems of oppression. Um, because otherwise, we're not talking about church, uh, per, you know, the, the real definition, but we're talking about a club.
0: Right. Well, I, hmm, I love that you say that we're just talking about a club. Um, what if like, why should I personally care about Christian supremacy, especially if it, if it, if it doesn't bother me, you know, if, um, if the ableism doesn't really bother me or the classism, you know, doesn't affect me in my personal life. Why should, why should I care?
1: Well, I don't think that it doesn't. You sounded so
0: exasperated.
1: I know <laughs> <laughs> Cause I hear that, you know, cause I hear that like, Uh, Even though people don't say it as blatantly as you said it, uh, we know that that's exactly what they are saying, right? Uh Um, Because the thing is, it affects us all. Uh Because ableism, so long as the most marginalized in our community are being abused and oppressed by a system, our community and our society is not going to be okay. So that's why my work centers the most marginalized. Um, Because if they are not okay, then the rest of us are not okay. We are interconnected and um, we are in relationship to one another. So whether it might not affect you directly, the reality is that oppressing people uh, or allowing a society in which oppressed people are a norm um, is creating a, a ridiculous amount of trauma. And what trauma causes is cycles of abuse and oppression so we are never going to move towards heaven. We're never going to move towards a society that is equitable and that is good for everybody, that is harmonious for everybody, if we continue to allow systems of oppression to keep people in cycles of abuse.
0: Amen. What um, do you mean, that, that's
1: why it matters.
0: That is why it matters. What what do you mean when you say that you believe in a heaven on earth?
1: Um, what I mean by that is, you know, heaven to me is a place where Everybody, everybody in in the society, everybody in that community has everything that they need to be able to to live well. So they have everything they need to be able to live well. Um, It's a place where there is no suffering. Now, pain is unavoidable and pain is not necessarily bad. Pain is good. Pain tells us what's wrong and what needs to change. But suffering is unaddressed pain. Amen. So to me, heaven is a place where there is no suffering where there is no unaddressed pain. And I believe that heaven is possible because we can address the pain of people, we can. We are choosing not to because it's more comfortable, because it's easier than to actually address it because um, some of us benefit from the pain of others and we are not willing to lay down our privilege for the, mm. for the sake of stopping their pain. Yeah. But it is possible to create a society where pain never goes unaddressed, but pain simply directs us to where we have to pay attention to, to what we have to you know, fix, to what we have to look at. Um, so that's what I believe heaven on earth is. Heaven on earth is a place where there is no suffering because pain is always addressed.
0: Right. I mean, I love that vision. And I, I mean, I'm idealistic enough to think that it, is possible. You know, I wouldn't be an idealistic person uh, if I didn't start creating our Bible app. But I I lack a faith so much in evangelicals, especially and conservative folk right now, because they want, seem to want the earth to end so that heaven will come. Their idea is that push the pain, push the suffering, let the world collapse in on itself in fire and brimstone, and that will induce the birthing pains of the second coming. And to me, I'm like, how do we get those people to, to see the light, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, it's hard. <laughs> it is hard. It's hard, but the thing is, in the last, well, for always, really, in the last, you know, maybe, Five hundred years, really. Um, people have been steadily leaving abusive, toxic Christianity. It, yeah. It's been a steady, and and the more access we have to information, the more that that steady <laughs> um, drip of people leaving is yeah. is getting greater and greater. Because really, the only thing that can help us combat um, the indoctrination of evangelical toxic theology is education um because the, the thing is people are indoctrinated into these beliefs in such a way that they um they don't have any other reality right yeah. like this is their absolute reality they don't right. even know that this, there is there is even permission to question it yeah. so as we have more access to information or access to other people more mm-hmm. access to the the what i call the proximity to the other which is paramount in the mm-hmm in the movement towards heaven, uh, as we have more access to the proximity to the other, uh, I believe that we're moving further and further away from people who cannot engage critically with information. Because now we have the ability to, while, you know, 30 years ago even, nobody, how many white evangelical Christians living in the US had the ability to listen to a Muslim person living in Afghanistan? oh none
0: none
1: none yeah but today we do today people get to hear these other perspectives and and we get to hear them from a you know first account like i'm 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 hearing it from people who live in afghanistan because the internet and social media have a lot of problems but also are amazing um and this proximity changes everything My my first interaction with a uh, trans black woman Mm -hmm. was actually online, Um, you know, and that I was already affirming, but hearing the experience of trans black women from a trans black woman, uh, first, it was safe for her because she was able to share her experience without... People having to be literally violent, you know, physical. on social mm-hmm. media there is the safety that you get to share your experience in a way. I mean, obviously not super safe, but <laughs> somewhat safe that you're not fearing physical violence at least. Right. So we get this access to the other now, and I believe that that access to the other is giving us also an ability to humanize those that we've been taught to dehumanize. Mm-hmm. Evangelical toxic Christianity is now facing the fact that everybody that they were told to dehumanize, they get to listen to, and they weren't as inhuman and as monstrous, because that's how they paint them, uh, or they paint us, really, as as they were taught. And in fact, they can learn.
0: We're from, actually,
1: you know, Yeah, how-
0: they're actually like... Um... This, you, you're doing the opposite of what people are scared the internet would do, which is bully people. But the idea that we're bringing people together from the, all corners of the, of the world and educating them is beautiful and it is a wonderful thing for Christianity. Do you still yeah. identify as a Christian?
1: I do. I don't identify as a progressive Christian or as a conservative Christian or as Ooh. a, if, if you're going to call me anything, I'm uh, perhaps I'm an indigenous Christian. Mm-hmm. Um i I have been able to fuse a lot of the native beliefs of my ancestors with Christianity um, mm. because they are also Christianity is also so woven into our history now at this point you know five hundred years after colonization yeah. uh, or during colonization so a lot of my beliefs are uh, um, a fusion of Christianity and the native beliefs of not only my people, my ancestors, but many other native beliefs that just are beautiful and magnificent. So um, oh. so yeah, but I still consider myself a Christian. Two reasons. It's the cosmic, the notion of the cosmic Christ saved my life, quite literally studying the Christ and studying the Bible um, pulled me out of suicidal ideation after evangelicals were just not kind <laughs> and wow. abusive towards me. And studying it and being so intentional about it pulled me out mm-hmm. of suicidal ideation and evangelical Christianity has taken so much from me that I will not allow for them to take the Christ too. Um, and the second reason is because I don't believe that it is okay to let oppressors have the, have li- like tools of liberation, oh. tools that are meant to liberate. So I won't allow them to have it. So I am a Christian, even though most Christians, most evangelical Christians um, hate that I
0: say that. You're a defiant Christian. You refuse to, to walk away and let them win. And I adore that. And honestly, I know that everybody who follows you on social media adores that as well. Like when you speak, people listen and you're just so freaking passionate. I mean, I'm, I'm getting like, like all like excited over here, just listening to you talk about this stuff because most people, I think, especially on my podcast, we'll just talk about um, their personal narrative, but you're bringing the gospel to life in a way that I feel like has been missing for a long time. Um, There's something else you say on, on social media about um, your, your belief in God doesn't fade away when you realize that uh, like there's holes in, in, uh, someone else's theology, you know, so where are you going to go? And um, it sounds like you're setting up that very net for where folks can go. Um, where else are you exercising your work? Besides, you know, with the, with the devotional for our Bible app and this workshop that we're going to talk about, um, mm-hmm. what other ways are you are you doing your work?
1: Um, well, a lot of my work is on social media. I do, I have a patron and I have these conversations with people. We also have something called the living room, which is, uh, officially speaking, it's a 501c3 registered as a church. Uh, so mm-hmm. we meet online and we have conversations about decolonizing faith where we're inviting people to reimagine, uh, what church looks like and what it looks like in their per- specific contexts. You know, what does it look like to be the church and not just talk about the church or, you know, go to church. So we have that. And then also, I mean, I am incredibly involved in my, my community, my immediate community. So I meet with a group of parents and um, some of the administrators and educators in my daughter's school And we talk about equity, and we talk about systems of oppression, and we talk about how we're going to make sure that this school is safe for every single family that shows up and every single child. Um, That's part of my work. That's part of the faith, like my faith too. So I meet with them once a month. We have conversations. We are working towards making sure that our community, our church, our school community is safe. Uh, and same with my neighbors, you know, I show up for my neighbors and we mm. have conversations and we share books. So my neighbors just brought me, uh, I, I've been reading Americana and she just oh, brought so it for good. me. Yeah, yeah, so good. Uh. So we share you know, we, I, this is my life. This is not just my work. This, this is my life. This is how yeah. I show up with my friends, with my family, with my neighbors. Um, my faith and my life are not different compartments that this is how I show up in the world.
0: This is, so you are a conduit for what you preach in your community. Um, I try
1: to. Yeah.
0: That is, damn. I mean, that's what Jesus asked us to be.
1: <laughs> right it's easier said
0: than done
1: oh absolutely especially considering that Jesus wasn't living in a capitalistic society um, where we have to consider the fact that we have to pay our bills and we have to survive in the middle of all of these so it's interesting for me to divest from capitalism and at the same time survive it you know so I have to play the game but also not be not, not let myself be bought by it. So right. it, it's interesting. So I have to show up for the school, even though I don't get paid for that work mm-hmm. because it matters. And then figure out ways in which I can make all of these work accessible for everyone, but also make sure I'm getting, you know, we're paying our bills. Right. <laughs> so, it sounds so like, dance.
0: yeah, I'm sorry. It sounds like the balance that I struggle with, with our Bible app, which is this is a resource that absolutely needs to be in the world, but also, how do I make sure that I'm treating my staff and myself with integrity when it comes to actually paying the bills? And honestly, it just depends on, you know, what the community is able to give, but it's, it's hard. It really is hard. Capitalism puts us in a really shitty situation.
1: It really does. It really does.
0: Um, so you're gonna be teaching this uh, this workshop on decolonizing Christianity um and i want to talk a little bit about it because you wrote a devotional for our bible app about decolonizing traditional christianity that's the title it's uh, 7 7 days of of trying to understand uh systems of oppression and it was so on point like mm-hmm. i ate it up it was a 101 on all of these in-depth things that you're talking about right now um mm-hmm. My question is, what, what is like the seed of the thing that you want folks to walk away from, from participating in your five-week series?
1: The, I think that the most important thing for me um, is for them to know that first, regardless of your faith adjacency right now, mm-hmm. um, we all are swimming in systems of oppression therefore we are complicit in them unless we are actively dismantling them we are complicit even if we're actively dismantling we are complicit like i explained right now i am living inside of capitalism so i have to dance the dance of capitalism yeah. while also divesting which is complicated and it's hard mm-hmm. so the consciousness the first thing the most important thing is one being conscious that regardless of your faith adjacency We are all participating in systems of oppression, and we're probably very, very likely complicit in them. And Christianity is woven into all of them. So how do we divest from those systems of oppression? So the second thing, that's the first thing, being aware of that. And the second thing, which is what we're going to do the second part of those five weeks, is how do I divest from them? You know, what does it look like to divest from them? What does it look like to have a, a, a healthy faith expression or a healthy, because faith doesn't mean Christianity, you know, it, it goes beyond that. Mm-hmm. So a healthy spirituality where I am divesting from systems of oppression and also evolving and moving towards wholeness and uh, healthy living. Because mm-hmm. that if the, if the goal of your spirituality and the goal of your faith is not to move you towards wholeness, which is heaven on earth for me, um, then I don't know that you have a faith, really. Because th- that is the goal, to move towards wholeness. Not so, just
0: sit and, and practice the same thing over and over again
1: without actually changing or being challenged. But exactly. So it should be moving you. It should be challenging you. It should be transforming. That's why no, it's home. called a practice. Right, right. And, it, and as it transforms you, it should be transforming your community too. Because you are an active part of your community. Therefore, your community is transformed as you are transformed yourself. Yeah. So how do we divest? So the first part is recognizing that we are a part of the problem. The second part is recognizing that we, cannot, we can divest so that we can be a part of the solution too and how to do that. So that's basically what I do with my work, you know, because rec- you cannot be a part of the solution until you pause long enough to recognize how you're a part of the problem. Oh, man. And the problem is that people recognize that m- many people recognize, wow, Christianity is a problem or these systems, even people that are considering white supremacy, people that are starting to consider patriarchy, those systems of oppression. They, they realize, yeah, that's totally a problem. And before um, they sit down to consider how they are part of the problem, they start moving towards trying to change it, not recognizing that they are part of the problem, too. So they become so this becomes saviorism you know and and that's not the goal saviorism is actually it it is just another iteration of oppression nobody needs to be saved you know nobody needs you to save the world either hoping to be a savior in the world is just an effect of unhealed um trauma in you we are not saviors of anybody we're not supposed to save anybody uh, we save ourselves and we show up in our community to collaborate with one another and create healthy communities. That is antithetical to everything
0: I was ever taught as uh, as a Seventh-day Adventist, which was, we need to go into the world and save souls. You know, right. we need to offer them this, uh, this idea of Jesus and the Bible so that they too can be saved. Right. Um, and yeah, like so many denominations, entire messages are built around uh uh missionary work you know <laughs> and proselytizing yeah you're saying that first we need to work on ourselves like that is the work that needs to happen
1: yes as we show up as we work on ourselves and we show up as healed beings in the world we will transform the world but not because we saved it but because we're showing up healed therefore we're giving other people the, the safety to heal too to show up in our exper- in our spaces yeah. Um As themselves, and also we're not traumatizing anybody or abusing anybody else, uh-huh. so it changes everything but the, I think that one of the most harmful and toxic teachings um of Christianity is that Jesus was a personal savior it's mm. It's one because then we show up as personal saviors too, <laughs> you know, but Jesus wasn't a personal savior, Jesus was challenging systems of oppression wow, he I... wasn't saving individuals, he was transforming. The, the the systems of abuse and he was moving towards the kingdom of heaven. It wasn't about individuals. It was about the kingdom of heaven as a whole, which means individuals have to do the work of becoming the kingdom of heaven within first.
0: I am definitely going to be peeking in to this workshop.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just do, uh,
0: because I feel like I've learned so much in like this, like these last like 35 minutes that mm-hmm. I have like in the past year. <laughs> this,
1: is, this is so. It's you know, this is what I believe. Like we're having church right now, Crystal. We we're are church, sitting down and con- having these conversations and challenging our views and learning from one another. And um, I always tell people that there is only two ways to engage with people: uh, you engage as a colonizer, you engage as a native, and oh. that engaging as a colonizer is coming to you thinking I'm better than you and I'm going to teach you something engaging as a native engaging as a as a healed person is saying i'm coming with curiosity because if the divine is in you i for sure have something to learn from you there is a part of the divine that i don't know because it's in you but not in me that i'm going to learn and that's the church the freedom of all of us showing up as the divine so that we can learn from one another and extend the reach of the divine in the world.
0: You know how I know that's true? Because that's also the principle, the, the beacon principle of nonviolence, which is mm-hmm. we're both going to learn from this interaction together. Nobody is going to be the ultimate teacher. Um, wow. So who should take this? Who should join this cohort? Who should, who is your audience?
1: Anybody who wishes to understand how they are complicit in the systems of oppression in the world and wishes to divest from that and move towards wholeness and healing for themselves and their community should take this class. And they, you know, um, and wishes to have these conversations about what does it mean to be whole? What does it mean to question everything? What does it look like? What does it mean to have a faith and to live a life that doesn't harm another? Um you know uh, that doesn't abuse harm is unavoidable, but abuse is not it's just like with pain and suffering um, abuse is unaddressed harm, so we will harm others but we don 't have to abuse them so anybody that wishes to not be abusive and rec- and recognize how we are abusive even unconsciously because abuse doesn 't have to be always conscious um, should take this this workshop with me and just have these conversations, I, I want it to be conversational. I want us all to decide together um, what certain things mean and what they look like for each one of us. There is not, it's not going to be me showing up to teach as much as me showing up to perhaps um, facilitate a conversation.
0: I really love that. I think that having a conversation is much more conducive to change than being lectured at. Um, and it sounds like you are just... Bursting at the seams with, um, with this good news, but I know that people are going to respond to the idea that that their opinions will matter um, while you lead them through this, facilitate them through this this five week series. Mm-hmm. Um, where can people find you on the internet?
1: They can find me on instagram and twitter is where i'm probably the most active both of those and then on patreon too um where i'm able to just share a little bit more and then meet with people on, on zoom calls and um have more conversations so yeah it's just joe luman everywhere um mm-hmm. no hashtags no underscores i'm sorry yes hashtags no underscores uh none of that just joe Lumen. okay Thank you so much for joining me
0: and uh, my
1: meager my audience today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this conversation with Joe. I want you to know everything about this course. Um, and so if you want to know more yourself, you can go to ourbibleapp.com slash Pop-ed. That's P-O-P-E-D. Um, OurBibleApp.com/pop-ed. Um, but here's a bit about the course itself. So, Joe Lumen is actually the author of Decolonizing Traditional Christianity, which is a seven-day devotional um, now available on the app. And she's the one who was bringing us this five-week series on decolonizing Christianity. Uh, in the course. We will learn about the pervasiveness of Christian hegemony, which is also known as uh, supremacy, Christian supremacy, how it isn't serving us. Together let's ask ourselves this question, how can we challenge and resist it to ensure that our goal is not Christian society, but heaven on earth for all? The truth is, Christian supremacy affects our whole lives. It feeds society's worst demons like fatphobia, xenophobia, racism, ableism, elitism, and classism, and the list just keeps going on. These Christian Protestant roots also feed harmful ideologies like purity culture, homophobia, and transphobia. And the list keeps going. Join Joe over a five-week period to address its pervasive toxicity, how it is internalized, and finally, how we can challenge it and reimagine our roles as Christians. This series will meet once a week on Zoom, where you will get the opportunity to listen and interact as a cohort, as a cohesive cohort then take part in the private chat space hosted by our bible app created specifically for you to connect share links and grow together each workshop will be recorded and sent to attendees afterwards sign up at our bibleapp.com pop ed um, this thing starts next week in about a week so it's really important that you go online now and and sign up um, we'll try and put all of that in the show notes but Thanks so much, and uh, hoping to see you online.